this morning. Got your Bible? Turn with me to, anybody want to guess where we're at? Anybody remember? Mark chapter, we're in chapter 15 today. So, um, Brother Corey, I forgot to give you that, but Mark chapter 15, verse number 1, we'll be starting there. I want to talk to you today uh, for a little bit on Pilate before Jesus. Pilate standing before Jesus. Somebody said, well, I thought it was Jesus before Pilate. Well, that's what, that's what Pilate thought, but it, it wasn't quite that way. Amen? It was the other way around. But we are studying and have been for quite some time uh, the book of Mark, the life of Jesus from the gospel of Mark. And I don't know, I'd have to go back to, to my notes from when we began but it's been a while. Of course, we have, we have took little side journeys. Uh, one of the side journeys was a year ago when we were shut down. <laughs> so we took a side journey there and while we were closed for COVID and I preached some different things and different messages. And, and uh, during Christmas, we, we, we took a break from Mark. We preached some Christmas uh, theme messages. But uh, it worked out just about right for us to pick back up where we were in Mark chapter 14 and to do some preaching here in this last week. And now in Mark chapter 14 and 15, the last few hours of the life of Jesus leading up to the crucifixion of the Lord and then, of course, Resurrection Sunday coming up here in just a few, couple of three weeks and we'll be preaching about the resurrection of Jesus. And um, so in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, and I'm going to be, begin reading with verse number 1, and um, praise God, brother, uh, they've got... Uh, this mic, I hope, sounds okay. I'm trying to go back to the lapel mic. I tried different things. The, the ear, I, I, you know, hey, when I get to preaching, as some of you know, sometimes I perspire a little bit. And I get to moving around. I'm not a, I've tried standing still and holding on to the pulpit. And that just ain't me. That's some folks, but it, it, it's never been me. And uh, so, and then, you know, the handheld's fine, but I, I can't talk if you tie my hands up. I've got to move my hands to talk. And, uh, you know, my, it's, that's kind of the thing. My, my, my family, my dad was that way. And so I got some other family members, Brother Mike Moore, you know, my cousin, that, that they used to come here. And, and Mike's the same way. We, we get to talking and, and we have to use our hands. So when I'm preaching, I'm a little bit... Uh, demonstrative maybe. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but uh, I like to move around. And so this maybe will free me up a little bit. I like to be free. Don't tie me down. Praise God. So Mark chapter 15, are you, are you there yet? Don't put me on the timer yet. I hadn't started yet, okay? Mark chapter 15 says, verse 1, immediately in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said to him, 
It is as you say. And the chief priests accused Jesus of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you, but Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. I think there's a good lesson right here from Jesus that we could all learn. Amen? And now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomsoever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. And then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done to them. And Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew, Pilate knew, that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that, they, so that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. Pilate answered, And said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? In Matthew's gospel, it records it as saying, What do you want me to do with him, this man called Jesus? It's a question that we all have to answer. What we're going to do with Jesus. So they cried out again, Crucify him. And then Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, notice verse 15. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Father, Thank you so much today for your presence in this service. Thank you for the the working and the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit that have been uh, in operation here this morning to edify the body of Christ, to strengthen the church. I ask you right now, Father, for your help, your anointing as I minister the Word of God that you will bring all things to my remembrance, that you would give me the words you would have me to say to your church. Open our hearts today. Open our understanding to receive the truth of your Word in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. I'm sure if I were to ask the question this morning to you, in this service, if you had, have ever been accused uh, falsely or unfairly of something, I'm sure probably everybody here would be able to answer in the affirmative. We have all at one time or another had someone to say something about us that was not so, not true. Anybody ever experienced that? where you've had somebody to, to just say something about you that wasn't true, that wasn't so. And uh, I've experienced that, and I know, I, mean, I know most of us have. 
And it's never, it's never a pleasant thing when you have somebody that is saying things about you, period, especially things that are not true, whether it's done deliberately or not. But when we have that to happen and when we experience those times when people uh, uh, falsely accuse us or condemn us for things that we're not guilty of, I think our first reaction to that and our first thought is, well, why did they do that? That's just not fair for them to say that to me or, or about me. That's not fair for them to accuse me of doing something that I am not guilty of doing. And it hurts to have that happen. Believe me, I know I've been there. And, and as I said, I know many of you have too. But you know, many times we find out in life that life a lot of times isn't fair, is it? I know sometimes we say, well, I don't deserve this or I don't deserve that, but we're living in a fallen world and many times we experience things in life that don't seem fair and that are not fair. But what we're reading here today from this 15th chapter of the Gospel of Mark is probably the most unfair event in human history. How many would agree with that? Because what we have before us here today is the fact that it was the event when God Himself was put on trial. No one had ever been given less fairness and more injustice than the Lord Jesus Christ. We were just talking the other day about injustice in the world. And Lord, where is the justice in the world today? And God is a just God. And we know that God's going to have the final say. Can I get an amen? But here we see a a, a time of injustice and unfairness taking place in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you are treated unfairly and when you are lied about and when you are talked about and when people mistreat you or persecute you, believe me that Jesus knows everything you're facing and he knows how you feel because Jesus himself has been there. But here we see Jesus. He's tried and convicted and sentenced to death. And here this man, the perfect Savior, the Son of Almighty God, he was the only perfect and completely innocent person on the face of the earth who ever has lived, who had never committed one single sin or one single crime, and yet he's declared guilty of crimes that he never even committed. Then he's sentenced to the most painful form of capital punishment that was ever devised by an evil, wicked mind. So we see Jesus unfairly mistreated here, unfairly judged and convicted of things that he was not guilty of. If you remember uh, Johnny Cochran, if that name rings a bell with you, Johnny Cochran, I think he's dead now, but he was the defense attorney uh, for O.J. Simpson during the O.J. Simpson trial. He was the one that, you know, tried to put the glove on and uh, he came up with that little saying, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. But Johnny Cochran was 
asked the question one time of all the people in history, whom would he have liked to have defended? And his immediate answer was, he said, he would have loved to have defended Jesus. He would have loved to have defended Jesus, someone who was completely innocent of all charges and someone who was a a victim of religious persecution. And that's exactly what was taking place here in this 15th chapter of St. Mark. Jesus, the innocent one, stands before Pilate and he is being condemned. He is being, he is being charged falsely. He is being lied about. He is being falsely accused and he is being condemned to death. He is a victim of, 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 of persecution. You know, the Bible says that all who live godly in Christ Jesus as well will suffer persecution. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Talking about the world, he said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you also. So, you know, when they talk bad about us and the world wants to shut us up and when they falsely accuse us, just know that you're in some good company because they did it to Jesus. They did it to the prophets before. And uh, so if we're living for Jesus and living a godly life, we can expect to have some persecution as well. Can I get an amen? And I do believe. And you know, we've been protected here in America and we've been blessed here in America but but I, I, I do believe that there is some more there's more persecution that's coming against the church in the very near future. We just need to prepare for it and we just need to be ready for it so we'll be able to stand victoriously against it when it does come. But the the trial of Jesus this trial of Jesus was actually in two phases and we don't have time to go into all of it. You can read the 14th chapter, um, the latter portion of the 14th chapter of Mark in your own private devotions. But there was two phases to this trial. Jesus was tried before the religious authorities on that night. We talked last week about the betrayal of Jesus in the garden and the arrest of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and how they had taken him to the chief priests and the scribes, the elders. He went before the Sanhedrin at nighttime, which, as I said, you know, was a kind of a kangaroo court. It was, an illegal, it was illegal for them. It was not lawful for them to try anyone at night. But yet they arrest Jesus at night. They bring him before the council, before the chief priests, and they're trying him at night. And so the religious leaders, Jesus here, first of all, is being tried and condemned by the religious authorities of that day, by the very church of the that day. These religious leaders accused him of blasphemy because he declared. They asked him if he was the son of God. And he said, yes, and you will see the son of God. You will see the son of God coming in great power and great glory. And they, the high priest ripped his clothes and, and, and began to cry out, this is blasphemy. What more need do we have to condemn him? He's worthy of death because he's blasphemed and, and declared his himself to be God. So they condemned him there. The religious authorities did, but they knew, here's the thing, they knew that they could not execute the death penalty. He in their eyes, Jesus had committed blasphemy. He was to be 
stoned to death under the Mosaic law. In their eyes, he was to be stoned. But under the Roman rule in which they were under, they could not do that. They were going to have to get Pilate, the Roman government, to condemn Jesus and to um, crucify him and put him to death themselves. So they change the charges and they bring about daylight. They bring Jesus before Pilate. They bring him to the governor's judgment hall and Jesus stands there before Pilate. They bring him there so that Pilate can confirm the sentence that he has, he has done something terribly wrong and so that Pilate can pronounce the judgment on him and have him put to death. Now, Pilate is a hard man. He's the governor there in Judea, in that area. He's a very cruel man, and the, the, the Jews didn't like Pilate. As a matter of fact, the Jews hated Pilate. He had done many things to enrage them. He had done many injustices uh, to the Jews, and they didn't like Pilate, but they needed him at this particular time to pass the sentence upon Jesus and have him put to death. So Jesus is brought before Pilate and accused before Pilate by the chief priests, by the religious people. And he's brought there and Jesus is the accused and Pilate is the judge. And that's the way we see it and that's the way they saw it and they looked at it. But you know, it is actually Jesus and not Pilate who is the judge. And it's really, as I said, Pilate before Jesus because Jesus is the innocent one and Pilate himself is the guilty one. And it's really Pilate himself standing before the perfect one and the judge of all the earth. And can I tell you something this morning, saints of God, and those who are here listening, those who are listening maybe on live stream, that Jesus Christ is the judge. And one of these days, one day he is going to stand as the judge over every person and you and I and every living being, every person that has ever lived will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know something today that Jesus is is the inescapable personality of all human history and that you cannot, no one can be neutral about the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single one of us will have to make a decision of what we will do about Jesus and what we will do concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Pilate encounters Jesus as to what to uh, as to what he would say. And so from a human perspective, Pilate has the power over life and death of, uh, concerning the Lord Jesus. And Pilate even said that in John's gospel. Pilate told Jesus, he said, don't you, you know, Jesus is being silent. He's not answering. He's infuriating Pilate. And Pilate says, don't you know, you're not going to talk to me. You're not going to answer me. Don't you know that I... I have power to, to let you live or I have power to have you put to death. And Jesus just looked at him and said, you don't have any power. He finally speaks up. Jesus finally talks, said, you don't have any power over me unless it's given to you from heaven above. Hallelujah. Praise God. I love that. Amen. But I tell you, here it is. 
The religious leaders now have brought him before Pilate and from this human perspective, Pilate has the power of life and death over Jesus, but they have changed the charges now because they knew that they would not be able to get Pilate to agree to put him to death for religious charges. So now they've changed the charges and they've brought Jesus before Pilate and they have, uh, they have accused him now of claiming to be a king. That he said that he was the king of the Jews. So Pilate asked Jesus a question. And he says in verse number 2, Are you the king of the Jews? And Pilate is not nowhere, no way, no how prepared for the answer that Jesus is going to give him to that question. When he says, are you the king of the Jews? In other words, they're accusing Jesus of treason. That he's going to set up a kingdom. That he's going to set up a throne. That he's come to overthrow Rome and to overthrow the government. And that's even what his disciples at one time thought that he was going to do, that the Messiah was going to do. But Jesus said, you know, if my kingdom, he told Pilate, he said, if my kingdom was of this world, he said, my, my servants and, and my subjects would be fighting for me. But I'm, my kingdom's from another world. My kingdom is not of this world. Can I get an amen today? Hallelujah. And so when, when Pilate asked him this question, are you the king of the Jews? He was not expecting what Jesus was about to say. And Jesus looked at him and said, yes, I am. In other words, it, well, basically the scripture said that he said, it's as you say. In other words, Jesus is saying, you got it, buddy. You're right on there. I am the king of the Jews. But can I tell you something today? That he's not just or only the king of the Jews, but he is the king of glory. He's the king of the ages. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. He is the alpha and the omega and the beginning and the end and the first and the last. Come on, amen. Woo, hallelujah. I'm glad to know today that he's not just the king of the Jews, but he's my king today. I've made him the Lord of my life and he's ruling and reigning in my heart. How many is glad today that Jesus is your king today and he's ruling and he's reigning in your heart and in your life today? He is the king, amen? And I'm going to tell you something else, that his, one day soon, one day soon, he's going to make himself known to this planet and he's going to set up his throne in Jerusalem and he's going to reign from there as the king over all the earth and over all kings and to his kingdom and to his reign and rule, there will never be an end. Hallelujah. He will put down all rule. He will put down all authority. He will put down all other kings. There's not going to be a house. There's not going to be a senate. There's not going to be a speaker. There's not going to be a senate majority leader. Jesus Christ will rule and reign over this earth and this book right here will be the law that we live by. Can I get an amen today? Woo, hallelujah. Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, I am. So now Pilate's in a corner. He's got himself backed into a corner. Because Pilate thought, here's what he's thinking. He'll say, no, 
I'm not the king of the Jews. And then all Pilate will do is say, charges dropped, case dismissed, let this innocent man go. But it didn't pan out (laughs) the way that Pilate thought it was going to pan out when Jesus looked at him and said, it's just like you say, I am the king of the Jews. What Jesus was saying, you know, is, is, yeah, I'm the king of the Jews, not really like you think, but I am the king. And so now Pilate's in a corner, hallelujah, and he doesn't know what to do. And so the, 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 the chief priests, these priests begin to accuse the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, accuse him of many things. And you can read that there in verses 3 through 5. They begin to make accusations against Jesus, bringing all kinds of accusations against him. And in the face of this, Jesus, what does he do? What does he do? When they begin to accuse him, he just, he, he's silent. He does not answer his accusers. Oh, come on, somebody. I tell you, this is, this is getting into something here that we need to get a hold of today as we follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he answered them nothing, verse 4 said, or, or verse 3 said, in verse 4, Pilate says to Jesus, don't you hear what these folks are saying about you? Don't you know, don't you hear the accusations uh, that, they are, that they are bringing against you and how many things they testify against you? And you're standing here not saying a word, Don't you have anything to say? And the Bible says in Matthew's gospel that he answered them not a word. Jesus answered them not a word. So the governor marveled greatly. But did you know this was again a fulfillment of Bible prophecy? Because some 700 years before this ever took place, the prophet Isaiah had prophesied in that great messianic chapter of Isaiah 53. And in verse 7, Isaiah said, said he was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers was silent so he opened not his mouth. Hallelujah. Pilate is used to having prisoners stand before him and, and, and denying the charges. How I many knows every person that's accused of something in a court of law, if they're innocent, what are they doing? They're pleading for their life. They're saying they're lying about me. Those charges. They're just trumped up charges. They're not real. I didn't do the crime. I'm not guilty. How many knows what I'm talking about? And Pilate has had scores of prisoners standing before him and declaring their innocence and saying that which I've been accused of I did not do. But now here's something that he hasn't ever experienced before. Here's a man standing before him that Pilate even knows is innocent and people around him making false accusations, bringing charges against him, and Jesus Christ stands there totally silent, answers not one of them. He does not, he does not refute anything that's said, but he stands there totally quiet and silent in the face of those accusations and lies. Tell you something, it's hard. Are y'all listening to me? We get down here amongst you. I preach better when I'm down here amongst you. It's hard, it's difficult to answer 
false accusations and lies. Are you listening to me? I've been there before. I've had people say things about me that just absolutely, just blatantly was was downright not true. Let me stop right here. I probably won't get done with this message, but that's okay. Let me just stop right here and say this. Don't be, and I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but don't be a gossip and a talebearer and a false accuser of your brethren. Ooh, I got a few amens. Amen? Say amen or oh me or ouch or help Lord or something. Amen? Praise God. The Bible says in Leviticus, listen, in Leviticus 19.26, the Bible says, Thou shalt not go up and down among your people as a tail-bearer. You know what a tail-bearer is? It's somebody that goes around talking about other people all the time. The New Testament calls them, boy, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting off my subject now. I'm getting on a rabbit trail now. Help me, Jesus. The New Testament calls them busybodies. And it, and it doesn't speak well of them, those who are busybodies. And so what I'm wanting to say is this this morning. Please, please, and I, I, again, I don't know that there's anybody here that would be guilty of anything like that, but please don't spread rumors and lies and gossip and accusations against other people, anybody, but especially those that are in the church, that are children of God, that are, that are, that are, that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't spread rumors and gossip. Am I, am I, am I coming across clear, clear, clear as mud? Amen? Somebody said, well, yeah, but I'm going to tell it on them because I know it's true. Well, you know what? Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't make any difference whether it's true or not. So if it is true, the Bible still says for us not to, bear, to, to, to be talebearers, not to gossip, not to be busybodies. But here's what the Bible does tell us. It says that love will do what? Love will cover a multitude of sin. If you know somebody's doing something that's not right or has done something that's not right, listen, here's what you need to do. Lift them up. If you want to talk about them to somebody, talk about them to Jesus. If you want to talk about me to somebody, for heaven's sakes, get on your knees and talk to Jesus about Pastor Rick. Tell Jesus I need his help. Tell Jesus to help Brother Rick to live better, do better. Amen? Tell it to Jesus. But love will cover a multitude of sin. Love will lift that brother or sister up if they fall and if they failed. Love will pick them back up. Love will help them find their way back to Jesus and back to the cross. Come on somebody. We don't need to be spreading rumors about somebody that's not true or even if it is true. And it's hard to defend yourself against those lies because there's something about that human nature people want to believe the lies. They want to believe the bad and not the good. So what do you do when you're on the brunt end of that? 
People are falsely accusing you and talking about you. What do you do? I think a good example is to follow what Jesus did and just hush. Just don't say nothing. Don't try to defend yourself against it. Just just don't say anything. Are you with me today? Amen. Jesus said when when they persecute you, when they say all manner of evil against you falsely, he said in that day, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to go out and get them by the nap of the neck and slap them a few times and tell them to shut up? No, he said in that day, just rejoice and be exceeding glad because you know that great, hallelujah, I feel good today. I said, he said, Great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. If they're talking about you, my uncle, you say this all the time. If you're talking about me, thank God you're leaving somebody else alone. Amen. But just be still and know that he is God and that he's the judge and that he will take care of the situation and he will, he will venerate you in that situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I don't know. Is that good preaching or not? It gets down to where the rubber meets the road. Woo! I don't know. I better not say that. If you're talking about me, which I don't think anybody here is. See, listen. The Lord, the Lord spoke that to me some years back when we were going through a situation where we were being falsely accused of some things. And I was in prayer in the, in the little church building down here when we were in the storage sheds. I was in my office, and there wasn't a window in that place. You shut the lights out, brother, and it was like the darkness of Egypt. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And I was in there praying and squalling and bawling and and, and telling the Lord, Lord, you know what they're saying is not true. What am I supposed to do? Should I, should I confront them what I do? And the Lord gave me that verse of Scripture in, uh, in, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. When he, Peter gave the example of Jesus and he said that when Jesus was reviled, he reviled not again. But he just, he just remained silent. And the Lord said, that's what I want you to do. He said, don't, don't revile them. Don't get even with them. You let me take care of them. You just, you just serve me and live for me. You know what they're saying is wrong. God said, I know what they're saying is wrong. So you just keep quiet and let me handle it. And do you know what? God handled it. God took care of it. God handled the situation. Did it hurt? Yes. Did I heal? Yes. Am I still here? Yes. Did their lies, did their lies hurt me? They hurt me inside. But did they stop me? No, I'm still here. I'm still going. Some of them ain't. i got to get back on target. What time is it? But Jesus remained totally silent. Pilate looks at some solution to the problem. He's got to find some way out of this dilemma. 
Jesus isn't answering his accusers. Jesus has admitted he's a king. So what's Pilate to do? He knows that there's something different about this guy that's standing before him. He knows that Jesus is innocent. Pilate knows that. He knows, the Bible said that he knew that it was for envy that the priests had delivered him to him. He knows that Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. He's trying to get out of this difficult situation. He knows he's not guilty. So why didn't Pilate, now listen to me, why didn't he just stand up there and say, listen, here, you know, the priests are out there. They're stirring up the crowd. They're agitating the mob. They're getting everybody to make these ad- a- accusations against Jesus. Jesus is not refuting any of it. And Pilate's wondering, why don't you say something? Why don't you refute it? At least if Jesus denies it, Pilate can say, I'm letting him go. But Jesus don't say nothing. So why doesn't he just step up there and say, I believe this guy is innocent and I'm going to do the right thing and let him go. Why didn't he just do that? I'll tell you why he didn't do it. Because he was a politician. Well, praise God now, you know. Now you're going to get political. No, I'm just telling you the truth. He was the governor of that that jurisdiction of that, of that region. He was the governor of that region. He was a politician. And politician, just like any politician, he is trying to appease the crowd instead of doing what is the right thing to do. God would give, I wish God would give us, I pray God would give us some politicians that would stand up and do the right thing and be backed by biblical principles and do what is right instead of trying to appease the crowd. Come on, amen. He's trying to appease the, 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 the majority here of the people is going to get Pilate in a whole heap of trouble. We got politicians today. We got, we got politicians today and leaders in our government today that are making, I'm going to say it, they're making dumb, stupid, ungodly, decisions to try to appease a small majority of the population of this nation. Just a small group. That's what the Equality Act is all about. That has already passed the House. It's in the Senate. They're going to be voting on it soon. And it's something that you as, as a church, we as a church, you as believers, we need to be praying that that thing gets defeated. We need to be praying against that. It's spawned from hell. And I'm not going into all of the, the legalities of it, but, but, but you, I think everyone here pretty much knows what it's all 
all about. And it will put undue problems, bring undue problems to this nation and to the church if there's not a religious exemption put in that that exempts churches and religious schools and things from that. It's going to cause undue problems for the church because we will be accepted or we will be expected to accept a lifestyle into our church that the Bible condemns and says is ungodly and is wrong. Amen? And I won't take time to read Romans 1 to you today, but you know what it says. And the Bible is against, the Bible is against the, 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 the uniting together of man with man and a woman with a woman. That is according to the Bible. I'm saying this with all the love that I can say it with. That according to the Bible is an abomination to God. It's sin. There is not, listen, the, the folks that are involved in that life We're not born that way. There is not a gay gene that makes them that way. Amen. They need to find this transgender mess that's going on today. I'm telling you, they talk about following the science. Well, follow the science. Amen. There's male and there's female. And that's the way that it is. Follow the science. Come on. The latest... Y'all didn't know we was going this direction, did you? I'm not sure I knew for sure. The latest Gallup poll shows that 5.6%, not 56%, 5.6% of U.S. adults identify as being LGBT. Is that the right? They're, they're adding to it all the time. Yeah. 5.6%. I never was good at math. But thank God I do have a phone with a calculator. <laughs> Amen. And, and I did a little calculating on my calculator on my phone. And that tells me then, if my calculator was right, that 94, are you listening to me? I'm talking about Pilate appeasing the people because he was a politician. 94.4% of the adult population in the United States does not identify as being... L G B T Q R S and G. Does not. Now Hollywood would have you to believe different. Hollywood seems like reverses those numbers because there's hardly a show that you can watch on television that is not promoting that lifestyle. I mean, every show. Every show we get a good show, we think we can watch and, and say, well, this is pretty good, you know, and all of a sudden there's two men kissing. It's wrong. Brother, I hope everybody comes back tonight. We'll pour some oil and wine in tonight on the Jericho Road, okay? Praise God. Let me check my time here. I'm going to have to. 
we're going to have to quit. Yeah, it's past time. So what I'm saying is this legislation is being made because politicians are trying to please and appease 5% of the population. And the heck, yeah, that's it. The heck with the 94% that does not subscribe to that. So we need to pray. Is it, can you agree with me? Because here's the thing. Well, what are you going to do? And I've had, people, I've had people ask me. People have sent me, you know, uh, this, this bill and said, what are, what are we going to do about this? What are you going to do? Well, we're going to pray, contact your senator, tell him to vote against it and all of the things that we can do. But what if it passes? Well, here's the deal. It's just like I told somebody here a couple of weeks ago. I said, here's the deal. If that passes and they tell the churches that we have to marry, perform same-sex marriage, that we have to allow same-sex couples to have uh, uh, membership in our church, if we have to put in transgender bathrooms and that type of thing and allow somebody that's identifying as a woman that day go in the bathroom with a woman and they tell the church, this is what you've got to do or you're in violation of this law that, 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 that you know, you, you We've got to do this. What are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do, okay? Here's what we're going to do. Are you listening? Here's what we're going to do. We're still going to stand up and we're still going to preach the Word of God. We're going to preach against sin. We're going to preach holiness. We're going to preach righteousness. We're going to preach the blood. Amen? Hallelujah. We're not, going to be, we're not going to be stopped by politicians that want to try to bring an end to the church. Well, what would that mean? Will it mean arrest? Will it mean losing your tax status? I don't know what it will mean. But there as long, listen, as long as, as the man you're looking at right now, as long as Rick Hensley is the pastor of Abundant Life Family Church, there will not be one same-sex marriage performed here. There will not be. Are you listening? There will not be a transgender bathroom put in here. Amen. We have the remedy. They have a problem and the church has the remedy. And the remedy for the problem is this. If they will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, God loves them. Jesus died for them. He shed his blood for them, for everybody, no matter what kind of sin they're involved in. If they will accept the blood of Jesus, he will straighten their life out. Praise God. They'll go from God to straight in a moment and a twinkling of an eye if they'll give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ he will change their life he will change their that's the message today that's what the church has got to continue to preach we cannot acquiesce to what our leaders in this nation are telling us to do but we've got to stand as Peter did when told not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus and we've got to stand and say we will obey God and not man can somebody say man in this place well hallelujah I'll have to finish this tonight but that's why Pilate didn't just step up and do the right thing Because he was a politician pleasing the crowd. You know what? Let's leave the politicians alone for a minute. A lot of preachers 
preach to please the crowd. Oh.